from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Folklife Today podcast. I'm John Fenn, the head of research and programs at the American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. I'm here with Steve Winnick, the writer and editor at the center and the creator of the Folklife Today blog. Hi, folks. As you may recall, we've embarked on an epic look at songs of winter over two episodes. We've asked some of our colleagues on the American Folklife Center staff to bring us their favorite songs about ice and snow. This is part two. So if you haven't heard it yet, you can find part one at loc.gov podcasts. It's season two, episode three, or episode 15, if you prefer. And that makes this season two, episode four, or episode 16. And our first guide on this winter excursion is going to be Stephanie Hall, who is another of our Folklife Today bloggers and a folklorist here at the American Folklife Center. Stephanie did a blog post on winter songs in Sidney Robertson Cowell's California Folk Music Project collection, which was mostly recorded in 1939 as part of the WPA projects in California. What have you brought us, Stephanie? Well, I should say that the Cowell collection is very diverse and contains recordings in many languages. But most of the winter songs I found that weren't in English were either Christmas songs or songs of other religious holidays like Three Kings Day or St. Nicholas Day. And since we covered that kind of song last December, we wanted secular songs this year, and they're both in English. All right, what should we hear first? How about we hear Bogue Borg singing Footprints in the Snow? Oh, that's kind of a classic. Uh, why don't we hear it first and then talk about it? Good idea. Some lovers like the summertime when they stroll about, and courting in the meadows may be found without a doubt. But give to me the winter time for the girl that I love best Was captured while the snow was on the ground I traced her little footprints in the snow I traced her little footprints in the snow I blessed that happy day when Lily lost her way I traced her little footprints in the snow I went to see this girl of mine one winter afternoon She had gone out walking, they informed me very soon. They said she'd strolled away to where they could not say. So I started out to find her in the snow. I traced her little footprints in the snow. I traced her little footprints in the snow. I blessed that happy day when Lily lost her way. I traced her little footprints in the snow. I asked this lovely girl of mine as we were walking home And she promised that she never from me would ever roam I live a happy life with the girl I made my wife I won her when the snow was on the ground I traced her little footprints in the snow I traced her little footprints in the snow I'll never forget the day when Lily lost her way I traced her little footprints in the snow. (laughs) Again, that was Bogue Ford with Footprints in the Snow. So I know this song from Bill Monroe, who recorded it first in 1945. And I also know that on his records, Monroe claimed authorship of the song under the pseudonym Rupert Jones. But I'm guessing the song is actually much older. 
That's right. The first sound recording of the song seems to be from 1931, a commercial recording by Ernest Branch and the West Virginia Ramblers. But sheet music versions go back to about 1877 and indicate that it was written by an English songwriter named Harry Wright. The sheet music also claims that it was sung with great success by a music hall singer named Jolly Little Lewis. Hmm. And that sounds like fun. (laughs) There were also older advertisements for Lewis's performances, which make it clear that the song, as written by Wright and performed by Lewis, had existed on the music hall circuit for a couple of years before the sheet music came out. So 1875 is probably about when it was written. The original title was Footmarks in the Snow. The older versions have some verses which Bogford doesn't sing. These make the plot a little clearer. The narrator goes looking for his sweetheart and finds she has walked out on a snowy day and lost her way. By tracking her footprints, he's able to find her and lead her back home. She's so grateful for being rescued that she accepts his marriage proposal, and they live happily ever after. But if she's leaving visible footprints the whole way, couldn't she just have followed her own footprints back home? (laughs) Yes. That's the ironic thing. It's kind of sexist and reads like a male fantasy of rescuing the damsel in distress. Hmm. But it was a 19th century idea of romance. So given that Bogue Ford's recording is eight years after the commercial recording, I guess we'd have to ask if Ford seems to have been influenced by Ernest Branch. No, Bogford's version is much more like the sheet music and other English printed text than like the commercial old-time records. So it seems likely that the song came over from England in the oral tradition, and both Ford and Branch got it from some other traditional singer. Hmm. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. It's always great to get the background for a bluegrass and old-time standard. Uh, What else did you bring? Well, how about we hear an ice skating song? (laughs) An ice skating song? Is that a whole genre? It turns out that it was. It's surprising how many ice skating songs you find from the 19th century if you go looking. There are several examples of sheet music on the Library of Congress website. In the Cal Collection from California, there are two different ice skating songs, both sung by the same singer. And who was this ice skating singer? He was a man named George Vinton Graham. And he's kind of famous in the Cal Collection because... He owned a guitar, but he didn't know how to play it. (laughs) Cal said that he tuned his guitar like a violin, but I think she was being kind. He, He felt he had to be strumming in order to sing, so he just strummed randomly, hitting dissonant chords. Because he knew a great many old songs that Cal wanted to record in order to get the words and the melodies, she tolerated his guitar strumming. So his singing does sound strange, but there's really gold in Cowell's recordings of him. All right, let's hear the skating song by George Vinton Graham. All right. Now this is the ice. This is the skating song. I was a little bit, the other was a little bit different. Over the ice in moonlit sheen, skate so clearly ringing, speed we on with merry hearts. While the girls are singing, I shine bright through winter's night. I say calls a dawning, like a young bride in her robes on the wedding morning. Over 
over the ice in moonlit sheen, skate so clearly ringing, speed we on with merry heart, while the girls are singing. Again, that was George Vinton Graham with his skating song. So do we know anything about the song itself? The words were published anonymously as a poem in a magazine called Onward in 1870. We don't know where the tune came from. Onward only lasted a couple of years, but in the same issue, there was an article called Yule Folklore. So it might be fun to read the whole thing. That's great, Stephanie. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You can find links to Onward magazine in the blog, as well as a link to the Cowl Collection. Now, there's another song that Stephanie wrote about in that blog post that's been a favorite of mine for years, so it's my second pick. In the Cowl Collection, Ward Ford sings it, but it's not a great recording, technically speaking. It skips a lot. But two other versions from our archive have been released to the public, one by Isaac Garfield Greer on one of our own Library of Congress LPs in the 1950s, and one by Charles Ingenthron on a CD compilation from our Vance Randolph Collection. So we'll play you parts of several versions. So what's the song? It's a song called Young Charlotte or Fair Charlotte. It's a cautionary story about a young woman who wants to look fashionable and so refuses to wear bulky blankets on a sleigh ride to a fancy ball and ends up getting a bit chilly on the way. So let's hear the first part of the song as sung by Ward Ford. Song Fair Charlotte. Fair Charlotte lived on a mountainside in a wild and lonely spot. Not another dwelling for three miles round except her father's cot. And get on many a rainy night, young swains would gather there. For her father kept a social abode, and she was very fair. All in the village, some fifteen miles, there was a ball one night. And though the air was very cold, young hearts were warm and light. Her eager looks and trembling hands When a well-known voice she heard As driving up to the cottage door Charles Leslie did appear Okay, so that part of the ballad sets the scene. Charlotte lives in an isolated house, but luckily she and her family are popular with the neighbors, and a suitor named Charles shows up in a sleigh to take her to a ball. Right. Let's hear another segment of the ballad as sung by Charles Ingenthron. He pronounces the young woman's name as Charlotte. Here are some of his verses. Oh, daughter, oh, daughter, the mother said, Those blankets around you fold, For this is a dreadful night abroad, You catch your death of cold. Oh, nay, oh, nay, the daughter said, as she laughed like a gypsy and queen, for me to be wrapped up in blankets like this, I never could be seen. 
Her bonnet and her shawl was on. They stepped into the sleigh, and over the mountain side they went, and o'er the hills away. There's music in the chimes of the bells as o'er the hills they go. What a creaking noise the runners do make as they leave the frozen snow. The rain and the hail was falling fast as it gathered on her shawl. Young Gelati said in low solemn words, I am extremely cold. So this part has her mother telling her to wrap up, and she says, no way, Mom, I'd never be seen all wrapped up in a blanket. Like, no other parent has ever experienced that, right? Right. (laughs) And then she starts getting extremely cold on the journey. Yeah, and that's where you get the sense it might not end well. So let's find out. Here's the conclusion of the ballad as sung by I.G. Greer. He cranked his whip, he urged his steed. Much faster than before. Sing it's five long, dreadful miles to go. And it's o'er the ice and snow. How fast said Charles the frosty ice. Keeps gathering on my brow. And Chalante said in a very feeble voice, I'm growing warmer now. He drove up to the ballroom door, stepped out and reached his hand. He asked her once, he asked her twice. He asked her three times over, Why sit you there like a monument That has no power to move? He took her hand in his, oh God, And it was deathly cold. He twined his arms about her neck. The bitter tears didn't flow. As his thoughts turned back to the place where she said, I'm growing warmer, mother, now. Um, that's a powerful ending. Uh, she freezes to death on the way to the party. Yes. And one thing that's interesting is that the writer had a sense of the physiology of freezing to death because people who are freezing often do reach a point where they think they're getting warmer, but it's just the body shutting down the extremities to keep the core warm. In other words, you're beginning to die. And her boyfriend seemingly also knew this because when he finds her dead, his mind goes back to her saying, I'm growing warmer now. He realizes then that he should have caught on, but now it's too late. Hmm. So we've presented the ballad in segments here from three different versions, but you can hear the, all the versions in full over at our blog at blogs.loc.gov folklife. 
Now, it's not that common for ballots to be in the news, but just a few weeks ago as we record this, the Washington Post ran an article on Young Charlotte. Really? What was the focus? Interestingly, when toy makers first started to market ceramic dolls for kids to play with in the bathtub, they mostly made them with a simple white glaze. So they kind of looked like frozen children. And at that time, the ballad of Young Charlotte was very popular, so the dolls came to be nicknamed Frozen Charlotte and Frozen Charlie because those are the names of the young people in the song. Wow. So what do we know about these dolls? Well, some of the dolls had arms that stuck out, but others had arms down at their sides and attached all the way along. As solid pieces of ceramic, these dolls were nearly indestructible, and a lot of them are still around. So the Washington Post piece was on how to identify antique and vintage Charlotte dolls, and they gave the ballad's history as background. Well, what's the history of the song? Well, in 1840, the New York Observer published an article about a young woman who froze to death on a sleigh ride to a New Year's Eve ball. It's not clear if it ever really happened or if it was kind of an urban legend, because as we know, legends like that do get printed as news all the time. Mm -hmm. But anyway, inspired by that article in 1843, a poet named Seba Smith wrote a poem called A Corpse Going to a Ball and published it in another newspaper in the state of Maine called The Rover. The ballad is basically that poem set to music, and no one knows when or by whom the music was added. Well, I guess there's always mysteries connected to these great old songs. There certainly are, which gives researchers like us a lot to look forward to. For now, we have one last guest with us, and that's Jennifer Cutting, a folklife specialist here at the American Folklife Center. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Jennifer, I understand you have a couple of songs for us as well. I do. When I'm not working as a member of the programming team at the American Folklife Center, I'm actually the leader of an electric folk band called the Ocean Orchestra, or in our smaller configuration, the Ocean Celtic Quartet. And full disclosure, I am a member of her band, so basically everyone here is my boss. And uh, uh, so the songs that Jennifer brought are connected to her band work. Is that right, Jennifer? Yes, they are. Uh, The first song I brought is a children's song that Alan Lomax recorded in Scotland in the 1950s. It's called The Wind Blows High. And the reason it spoke to me is that it shares several verses with an Irish kids song called I'll Tell My Ma, which we used to perform with Ocean, especially on St. Paddy's Day. But also, it's about a snowy day. So it's perfect for this winter podcast. I brought along two versions. The first is sung by just one girl, Peggy McGillivray. And the second version is sung by a whole group of children, and it shows how the song was used, which was to choose someone to be it in the next singing game. And in this case, Alan Hartley is chosen as it, and then we hear the kids play the next game, too, with Alan singled out. Great. Let's hear both recordings. The wind, the wind, the wind blows high, the snow comes falling from the sky. Margaret Thompson says she'll die for the want of the golden city. She is handsome, she is pretty, she is the girl of the golden city. She is handsome, one, two, three, come and tell me who shall be. She is pretty, she is the girl of the golden city. She has handsome one, two, three, 
tell me who shall be. One, two, three. Alan Hartley. A is his first name, his first name, his first name. A is his first name, E-I-O-S-A. H is his second name, his second name, his second name. H is his second name, E-I-O-S-A. Once again, that was The Wind Blows High with the line, The Snow Comes Falling from the Sky, making it perfect for our Winter Songs episode of the Folklife Today podcast. And we're here in the studio with Jennifer Cutting, a staff member at the American Folklife Center, who I believe has one last song for us. Uh, and this is kind of unusual because it's not an archival recording, but a recording of your group, right, Jennifer? Yes. Technically, it's a recording of my former group, the New St. George, which we made back in the 1990s for a compilation album of songs about winter for a charity called Hungry for Music. But I also released it on the album Song of Solstice by my current group, Ocean Orchestra. So you could say the song is by both groups. And how is the song connected to the American Folklife Center archive? Well... I got the call from Jeff Campbell, the founder of Hungry for Music, asking me to arrange a winter song for this holiday compilation CD. So I knew I was on the lookout for a winter song, and I just happened that week to be assisting a researcher in the American Folklife Center archive, and all of a sudden, the book I was holding for that researcher It was Frank Kidson's Traditional Tunes from 1891. It fell open to the song Time to Remember the Poor. And I remember sight reading it in my mind, hearing it. And I remember thinking that the tune that Kidson collected was just inappropriately cheerful for that very solemn text. But still, somehow I knew this song was the one So I tried to make the music match the text a little Mm. better. I I slowed down the tempo. I changed the meter. I eliminated the tune's more chromatic character. And I looked at several different versions of the lyrics, too, to compile my own version. And are there archival recordings of Time to Remember the Poor at the center, too? Well, I remember hearing at least one which was a cylinder recorded in England by Percy Granger. And I think I used some of those lyrics as well. Can you tell us how you arranged the song, Jennifer? Yeah, I had fun with it. I got really weird with it. I wanted a very eerie, dystopian sound canvas to complement the foreboding lyrics and to evoke that kind of dark drama of the themes and the era of the broadside, I came up with a kind of fusion of Gothic and Victorian feelings, which I combined with 60s psychedelia in the Hmm. guitar solo. And this is before I even knew what steampunk was. But now steampunk is how I think of it. And I'm really glad that I persuaded the Grammy-winning acoustic fingerstyle guitarist Al Petaway, who played with my band The New St. George for a while, 
to pick up the electric guitar for this recording. So it's very rare to hear Al Petaway on the electric guitar in the recording studio. So he's the guitarist, and the singer is the great Lisa Moscatello, and the band also features the late Juan Dudley on drums and my trusty bass player, Rico Petricelli, who's still in my current band today. And on this track, Jennifer herself plays the keyboards as well as some really eerie choral samples. So we're going to let Jennifer's song play us out, but first we should thank some people. All the singers, musicians, and collectors that we heard, we've said their names already as we played their great songs, and we're grateful to the work that they've done. And we'd also like to thank our guests, Thea Austin, Jennifer Cutting, and Stephanie Hall. And thanks to you, John. Well, thanks to you too, Steve. And thanks to John Gold, our engineer, to Mike Turpin and Jay Kinlock for help in the studio, and to colleagues throughout the library who help us deploy this podcast once it's produced. So now we can hear a band that you could accurately call either the New St. George or the Ocean Orchestra, playing Time to Remember the Poor, as arranged by our own Jennifer Cutting. That will bring to a conclusion the second part of our epic two-part look at winter songs. See you next time. Footprint
This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.